G'day, welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. I'm Graham Curry, your host from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilos or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle, and I successfully maintained that weight loss now, coming up two years. I wanted to bring this series of podcasts to you to give you an insight into what it's like to living an intermittent fasting lifestyle. I'm also the author of the book, The Fasting Highway, which is a story of my journey overcoming chronic addiction to fast food and sugar and taking that walk from morbid obesity to normality. So sit back here with us on the Fasting Highway in the next few weeks and listen to some inspiring guests and some experts in the intermittent fasting community. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the show. G'day and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. And this is episode 36. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Marianne Lease, aka Fifi De Fufi, as we know her in our Fasting Highway Facebook group. And Marianne's journey has been absolutely amazing, and it really blew me back in my chair when I listened to her story. And Marianne lives in Germany, and she lives in a city which is close to Frankfurt there. And Marianne is my first guest from Europe, so that's fantastic. Marianne's weight loss journey in the first 10 months of intermittent fasting is mind-blowing, and I don't want to spoil the story, so let's get straight to it. Welcome, Marianne. G'day, Marianne, and welcome to the Fasting Highway, and thank you for joining me all the way from Germany there. Good morning, Graham, and greetings to Perth, Australia, from Rottgau, Germany. Thank oh, you thanks. so much for having me, Graham. I'm really excited about this. Oh, thank you for being here. Um, I followed you in the Facebook groups and your journey is quite amazing. So speaking of which, Marianne, and I'll tell people straight up front, uh, Marianne is known in the group as Fifi de Fufi. And, um, <laughs> so that's the first question. How did you come up with that name? Graham, um, my brother gave me that name about 50 years ago. Uh, I was pretending to be a princess and he, um, yeah, he thought I should be Italian royalty and came up with the name of Fifi Di Fufi. That's the story behind that. So Marianne, what we'd like to do to start off with here on the Fasting Highway, if we could just get a bit of your backstory and basically what led you up to finding intermittent fasting and starting? Okay, Graham, I just like to say to begin with, I think my story might particularly resonate with caregivers. Um, I teach part-time, but I think um, I see myself primarily as a caregiver, or at least I used to be a caregiver. My children are all grown now. Um, and maybe if it's okay, Graham, um, maybe I could just start with a few numbers. Sure. Okay. Um, I'm 56 years old, plus two days. Um, I as of this morning, I weigh 68 kilos, uh, which is just under 150 pounds. I came from a weight of 275 pounds, which is about 125 kilos. So I was a big girl. Um, I'm five foot six, which is um, 168 centimeters roughly. And I've been doing alternate day fasting now since... February of 2000, of this year, of 2020. Um, as far as my personal history is concerned, um, as you all know, I live in Germany 
And I've been living here now for 29 years. My husband's German, and that's why I'm here. Um, I was born in the States, though, and I grew up in a very small town outside of Rochester, New York, which is roughly about an hour from the Canadian border or an hour from Niagara Falls. Usually people know Niagara Falls. I always use that as a reference point. Um, as a child, I did not have a weight problem. As a young adult, I didn't have a weight problem. Both of my parents were very aware of the importance of proper nutrition and physical activity. So I was very lucky there. Now, fast forward to 1998. And this is um, when our third child was born. And I started to notice at this point after his birth that my genes were just getting a little bit too snug. But I wasn't overly concerned with it and it wasn't anything dramatic. Uh, now fast forward to 2003. This is roughly five years after um, the birth of Eric. Yeah, and this is, Graham, where my world just crashed. It absolutely crashed. My father died very unexpectedly, very suddenly, um, and I was devastated. Um, he was a real rock and a real pillar for our family. And I think what made it particularly difficult is that my heart just bled for my mom they had had a very strong marriage. They were married for almost 50 years. And she was still living in this rural community outside of Rochester. So I just knew how lonely she must have been. And I was on the other side of the Atlantic, which um, was very hard because I really wanted to help her and I just couldn't. And I think this is where I started emotional eating. Um, fast forward now to 2008, so five years after my father's death, my mother was diagnosed with vascular dementia, and that just kind of put a whole new spin on everything, not making it any easier. Um, fast forward now to 2011, so about three years after her diagnosis, we moved her to Germany because um, she just couldn't live alone anymore. And unfortunately, the dementia had just changed her personality 180 degrees. She was difficult. Um, she was very frustrated, I think. And at this point, the children were all in their teen years, which didn't make things easier. And um, I was very often, um, yeah, very nervous inside. I felt like I was walking a tightrope trying to keep some kind of balance within the family. And throughout all of this time, Graham, my weight just exploded. Um, and I didn't really feel a need to do anything about it. I hated the fact that I was obese and at this point morbidly obese, but I totally lost myself. I was so engulfed in the caregiving that I just ignored my body and I ignored um, yeah, my own being. After my mother's death in 2014, I started thinking about dieting. My brother and his partner had um, great success with Atkins and with Weight Watchers, but I just felt inside that it wasn't for me and it wasn't going to work, so I never even started. 
And I think this is something atypical because on a lot of the podcasts, I hear how people tried everything, read every book and tried every diet. I didn't try anything um, until intermittent fasting. But anyway, so um, I just continued to gain weight and gain weight and gain weight. And I also felt that it was hopeless at this point, especially being perimenopausal. Um, you hear all the time about uh, how it's very difficult, almost impossible to lose uh, weight in those years. And I just didn't think it was going to, anything was going to work for me. Um, in 2020, so in, Jan in January of 2020, January of this year, we were asked to put together a video uh, for an family friend, they were having their 80th birthday party. And I was going through all of this old coverage, old home movies, old photos, and I kept coming across myself in this coverage. And I kept thinking to myself, Graham, my God, you look so at ease, so comfortable in your own skin. And I hadn't felt that way in 15 years. And it really hit me. It wasn't, oh, you look so thin in those photos. It was the ease and the, the you know, I just seemed so comfortable. Um, what's funny, Graham, I think in my case is what didn't motivate me. Um, I have three wonderful children and I really wanted to see them progress in their life and see what life has in store for them. I was petrified about becoming a burden to my family because of my obesity. I have a, a wonderful brother in the States. I was looking forward to spending time with him um, once he retired. My husband and I love France. We were hoping to, to spend more time there during our retirement. All of these things didn't matter, or at least didn't matter enough to ignite the motivation. It was seeing these photos where I just looked so comfortable, which is funny to me, you know, that that is what it took. Yeah. So how did you actually find out about intermittent fasting and um, what sort of, what were you doing when you did start? What sort of protocol? Um, Graham, I kind of stumbled upon internet, intermittent fasting. So once I decided to start dieting, I started what I thought was sensible and that was calorie restriction. Um, so I was dieting probably for about two weeks, really watching my calories. And there was one particularly busy day. I had to get my semester grades in. And I literally did not have time to eat, which was very unusual for me. And it was about four in the afternoon and I hadn't eaten anything. And I thought, heck, I was up at four in the morning. I'll be going to bed early. I'm just not going to eat today. And I didn't. And I woke up the next morning and I was still alive. And then I started researching fasting. And I came across, of course, Jason Fung and Jim Stevens. And there was also, or there is also a YouTuber, uh, Rachel Sharp. She's an alternate day faster. And I really followed her for a while. And that's how I was introduced to fasting. Well, that's a great story. I just wanted to acknowledge Mary Ann, uh, the passing of your parents. I know that's quite a traumatic experience. And um, I lost my mum as well. She had uh, very bad dementia mm -hmm. and she died as a result of the complications mm -hmm. from that. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. 
So when you first started fasting and what was your window like? What were your sort of food choices when you first started? Well, when I started fasting, um, I really didn't pay attention to hours. So, you know, 36 hours or 34 hours or 40 hours, that didn't really interest me. I just literally ate one day and I didn't eat the next day. Um, and if I wanted to eat at seven in the morning, I ate at seven in the morning. If I didn't eat my breakfast until 11, I didn't eat until 11. So I didn't restrict myself on an hourly basis. I did um, try to completely avoid processed foods and sugars. And um, I also stumbled in immediately into the clean fasting because I had found Jason Fung's um, videos pretty early on. I read his book pretty early on. And uh, so I was clean fasting pretty much from the beginning. Yeah. So with the alternate day fasting, um, how long have you actually been fasting? And are you still doing the alternate day fasting now? Yeah, I, well, I've been fasting actually since probably the second week in February of 2020. Um, and yeah. I am still doing alternate day fasting now. But I'm at a weight where I'm happy and I would like to stay at this weight. I'm a little bit worried about how to proceed now. Um, I think I'm going to start maybe next week or the week after with OMAD uh, or maybe 5-2. So five days of eating and two days of fasting. I'm going to have to experiment at this point, which makes me a little bit nervous because I'm very worried about gaining weight again. Yeah, that's a natural thing to think about. But just with the, that's a huge weight loss, 125 it is, pounds. It is. Is most of that most of that come this year? It Mary? all it all came this year, Graham. It wow. all came this year. Yeah, yeah. I'm shocked myself. So that's, that's basically 11 months or around. There it is. It, just over. That's 20. right. That's right. It is. And I sometimes I wonder because I do think about that a lot because the weight really did come off very quickly. And sometimes I wonder if it's because I did absolutely no dieting before. Um, this was really the first, if you want to call it a diet, it's also a lifestyle, but this is the first time I attempted to lose weight. Yeah, that's incredible. It really is. Yeah. And so losing that amount of weight, Marianne, in a short space of time, and now you're heading towards where you are at maintenance now, uh, my theory around maintenance is that it is a different mindset altogether. And when I came to that point where you are now, I sort of started thinking about, and I wasn't really worried about regain so much because I was confident in the tools mm -hmm. that intermittent fasting Very gave true. me that I could keep, keep in a range. And so what I did was I went to a 20, I was doing 23 and one right through my weight loss mm -hmm. phase. And then I moved to, 22 and two during the week. And I do a 16 and eight on the weekends just so I can go out and enjoy brunch and that sort of thing. And that's been working really well for me, but I think it's important to at least think about maintenance and, and I wouldn't fear regain. I'd be pretty confident that um, you have the tools now to be able to handle it. Yeah, I think that is true, Graham. I mean, I do, I'm, I'm worried about it because I know what the statistics are, um, which is not good, but um yeah, well, it's 95% of people regain the weight that they lost on. on exactly, exactly. But but I also do feel that way. I feel very confident. And when you use the word tools, I love that because that's exactly what it feels like. You know, I, I'm in control. I have the tools that I can use to maintain this weight. 
Um, so I, as scared as I am, I'm also confident about keeping it off. Let's hope it stays that way. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I talk about, you know, the fact that I do weigh every day. And for me, that's my accountability. Uh -huh. It's just like putting on my, to me, weigh, weighing myself is just like brushing my teeth or putting yeah. on my pants. It's just part of my yeah. life. And um, I, I step on the scale and I know if I do spike, you know, two, three kilos or a yeah. few pounds, I can, I can rein that in probably in a couple of days, whereas if I don't have any idea and I wait till my pants get yeah. tight and I find out that I'm 10 or 15 pounds yeah. heavier, that's a lot harder to pull. I totally agree with you. Um, I, uh, I had three birthday cakes on Friday evening and I indulged. And I weighed myself the next morning because I also weigh myself every day. And I was up two kilos, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't nervous about it at all. And today I stepped on the scale and I was down those two kilos. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's very true what you're saying. Yeah, and it's important to know that you can't really put on two or three exactly. kilos of fat, so to speak, overnight. It's more the extra exactly. volume and the carbohydrates and everything else. So you mentioned your sugar there. And as you know, I was a pretty chronic sugar addict. What were some of the steps you took to sort of reduce that sugar? Did you just sort of go cold turkey on it or did you just reduce Graham, it? I went cold turkey. And I think because I was so ready to lose the weight. I, um, I, If I think back, I think I was in a depressed state. If you had asked me back then, I would have said no. But I think I was. And I think I had finally found something to ignite the motivation that I was gung-ho. And I just went cold turkey um, on the sugar. And I think I also had an addiction to sugar as well. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's not till you sort of look into it and start thinking about it. I know I didn't really know. I, I mean, I knew I love sugar and all that, but I never looked at it like that I was an addict. Mm -hmm. And um, when I started reading up about it and I discovered it and I found out how much sugar I should be yeah. having, and then, yeah, it was no question. I was a full-blown yeah. addict. And um, so, Marianne, let's talk about the what we call the non-scale victories and the health benefits. What are they being like? They've been amazing, Graham. I had extremely high blood pressure. My blood pressure was, um, my God, sometimes when I measured it, it was 180 over 100, which I should have been in the hospital at that point. But generally, usually it was around 160, which is incredibly high already. Um, a really good day would have been in the 150s. And now, actually, since fairly early on into the fasting, um, my blood pressure is normal. In fact, I measured it yesterday. I try and measure it like twice a week, and I was at 115 over 75. So that has been an amazing um, improvement. I also had a lot of problems with irritable bowel syndrome, and that's gone too. It's completely gone which is more than wonderful. Um, and I also think, Graham, the non-scale victories, I think my personal self, I've gained my life back. And that means so much to me, almost as much as the health improvements. Um, I have vibrancy again in my life. It's, it's just such a difference. It's night and day. Um, as to when I was morbidly obese. 
Yeah, I can totally relate to that, Marianne. It is. And I always say to people, it's like the Star Trek Enterprise beaming you up as an obese person. And then you get beamed back down as a normal sized person. And you walk out onto the street and just everything is so Exactly. Different. It really, really is. It's night and day. It's night and day. It must have been fun for you on the um, way down trying to keep up with the clothing and your wardrobe. <laughs> I've become, I know you've said often, Graham, that you have become or became a real clothes horse. And the first time I heard yeah. you say that, I laughed out loud because that's exactly how I am now. Um, in fact, I was just buying things that I probably would never wear simply because they fit, you know. I, uh, it's amazing. I have such a full closet now. It's, um, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's very freeing. Oh, it so is. you mentioned your blood pressure mm -hmm. there. Um, what, what's, what's your doctor been saying about this weight loss that you've had? What are he's they he's shocked. About? He is absolutely shocked. Um, he's, he's never had somebody reduce the blood pressure levels like I have in such a short period of time. So, um, yeah, he's, he's following me very closely. Yeah. So his interest in intermittent fasting is starting to pick up in Germany. Um, you know, Germany is one of the pioneers in fasting. Um, there's a lot of clinics oh, yeah. here, a lot of very famous clinics for fasting. Personally, I don't know many people who fast. I do know a few people here who do one or two longer fasts, like five-day fasts um, within a year. I also know a few people who do 16-8, but um, I really can't compare it to other countries if it's more or less. It's, it's, people do know about it. It's not shocking when you mention it. What's, what are they actually doing in the clinics in Germany? Um, the, one of the most famous clinics is uh, liquid fasting. So I'm not sure if Dr. Fung would consider it to be fasting. I do know that um, it's a completely liquid diet. Uh, they'll have a broth in the morning and a broth in the evening. And then there'll be days where they just have water and coffee. Um, and that goes on for, I think it's like the, the shortest program is 10 days. Of that, but I, yeah, are they put, are they monitored? Are they put into, oh, the oh yeah, 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 they're put into the actual clinic. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Many people see that as a, yeah, as a vacation. Really yeah, <laughs> they'll book themselves. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I, um, you may have heard Sarah Cull on episode 12, she's been working with patients in yes. New Zealand. So to hear that that's happening in Europe, and I'm sure Sarah would be very interested in the clinics in Germany there if you could find out a bit more of about it. So, Mary, Mary Ann, what about exercise on your journey? Was that part of your... I protocol? started very early. Um, I, uh, I started early because I got a little bit worried about loose skin. So I thought, oh, I better do some exercise. Maybe that would help. And I started with... Um, actually, it's 45 minutes. I do a half an hour of cardio. I just looked... I Googled a video on YouTube... Um, and it was the title was something like uh, easy exercise, easy cardio for obese, for the obese. And I've been following that ever since. I still do it. It's become a ritual for me. That's a half an hour of light cardio. Then I do five minutes of weights for my arms and another 10 minutes um, doing light exercises for my stomach. 
Wow. Can you just repeat that name of that um, YouTube cardio for obese oh, people? Oh, um, I don't know the name. It's from the it's from body project. It's called body project. And I just typed in, um, it was fat burning cardio for overweight. If you Google that, it should come up and yeah. it's by the body project that I know. And you're finding now that you've lost all this weight, that exercise almost becomes a, a you addiction. Exactly. Graham. I love it. I always liked to swim, but because of my obesity over the last 15, 20 years, I never did. And we're often in France, um, right on the coast, and I would never go in the water because I was so ashamed of myself. And this past summer, I was in there every day, even when the beach was full. Um, and it is so incredibly freeing. You know? um, I also do a lot of biking because in Germany, the infrastructure for um, biking is really good. So I can do all of my um, errands throughout the day on my bike, which is also really nice. And I really, really enjoy it. Also something that I, yeah. also something okay. that I never would have done as an obese person because I was just so ashamed. I, I could have ridden the bike. That wasn't the problem, but I was so ashamed of my, of my body. Yeah. It's really interesting. You mentioned there about, being ashamed of your body, going to the beach and that sort of thing. I had a beach house here in Western Australia for many years and I would go to the beach often and I would never take my yeah. shirt off. Even when I swam, I usually swim with a like a sun rashy yeah. top on. And and now I love it. I just go down there and, and the same in the swimming pool. I never went to our local swimming pool, which is literally just down the street yeah. from us. And um I just wouldn't go there because I didn't want to walk around without my shirt on. So I so get yeah. what you're saying and, and that experience of just being able to be free, yes. like yeah. you say. Yeah, I'd be swimming in the ocean and I'd have this huge smile on my face, you know, <laughs> because it just felt so good, you know. And the only word that I can really think of is, is freedom. So, yeah, and there's some days where you have that moment that catches you where a wave of sadness sometimes briefly comes over you when you think yeah. all those years that I wasn't down. So true. Out. So true. But I think the important thing to remember is that we're there now, you know, and, and it is happening. Yeah. So what was your um, support network like with your friends, families? Did you get much pushback? Obviously, you probably didn't lose that amount of weight. So um, I didn't get a lot of pushback. Uh, my husband was behind me 100%. He lets me pretty much do um, everything I like because he knows I can be very strong-willed sometimes, so he doesn't bother fighting me on things. Um, the kids supported me from day one. Um, I think at the beginning they thought, yeah, right, Mom, we'll see. But um, no, I think they're all very proud of me. Um, I have a cousin that I'm very close to in Canada. She was very skeptical at the beginning, I think. Um, but she's, um, I think, come around to accepting it now. And uh, yeah, friends, I, I had one friend, a very good friend of mine, who did, was worried, was concerned, because she thought it wasn't healthy, the idea of fasting, of going without food for more than 24 hours. And she kept trying to give me tips how else I could go about losing the weight, you know, pretty much calorie restriction, eating in the morning. And I just kept saying, nope, <laughs> it's working for me. Um, so. so 
just with your ADF protocol and losing that amount of weight, I'm sure there's people there uh, wanting to know exactly how that works for people that don't know what alternate day fasting is. If you could just explain that in your, mm -hmm. your version and also the importance of that refeed day. Yeah. Um, what I do now, there's, there's several different ways to do ADF. What I do is I literally eat one day and I don't eat the next. So for example, um, today for me is an eat day. So I get up and I eat, like I said before, I might eat at seven in the morning, I might eat 11. Um, I don't restrict myself to hours. I can eat at any time I want throughout the day. I do try to avoid grazing, but there are days that I do that too. Um, what I feel is very important or what has been very important for me personally is to try and avoid processed food and sugars. That's really worked for me. And of course, the clean fasting. I limit my, my fluids to water, to black coffee, which took a long time to get used to, but I'm there now, and green tea. Um, so was, again, getting back to the time, um, I'll eat that, I'll eat today. And then tonight, it might be seven in the evening, it might be eight in the evening, I'll have my last bit of food, and then I will not eat until today Sunday, I have to think for a second, I will not eat until Tuesday morning. So which means I go all of Monday, all of Sunday night, Monday morning, and then the entire day Monday, Monday night, Tuesday, very early morning, um, in a fasted state, if that made sense. <laughs> yeah, and what sort of things do you have to be mindful of after fasting for that long when you actually open your window? Do you have to be um, pretty Graham, careful? I don't. I know a lot of people do. You know, they'll start with a broth or something. I go, I just eat whatever I want. It might be, you know, fried eggs and butter and bacon. It might be, um, you know, um, a, a yogurt with some blueberries or something. I, I apparently don't have a, um, a fidgety stomach. Um, I can eat anything after the fast. Yeah. So when you say you're looking to move into mm -hmm. the OMAD, are you worried that you, if you continue to do that, that you just lose too much um, weight? I'm not too worried about that. I love to eat gram. So if the OMAD, um, if I'm still losing weight, I'm OMAD, I'll just, you know, eat a breakfast or a lunch or something else. What I will miss about the alternate day fasting is I've really enjoyed cooking every other day. <laughs> so the idea of cooking every, every day again, um, I'm not very fond of that at this point, but I'll get used to it again. I'm sure I did it, you know, for, for 55 years, so I'll get used to that. Another option for me, of course, would be to eat five days a week and only fast two days, which I'm also considering. So when you're fasting with the ADF that, during that weight loss period, was there ever a day where you just felt like you were, say, shaky or you just thought, I've just got to eat here? You know, was Graham, I like never that? felt shaky, ever. Um, I never had that. There are, of course, times where I'm hungry and I think, oh, I could eat something, but I'll drink some water and I'll occupy myself with something and it goes away. Um, but I've never had I've yeah. never had those shakes. Yeah, so we've got two types of hunger, haven't we? We've got that head hunger, which is just that 
oh man, I'm so hungry. And then you have a drink of water, like you say, or you go and do something and keep busy, right. it tends to pass. And then I've, I find sometimes we have that belly hunger where I know myself, there's been an occasional day where I just haven't felt right or, you know, so I think it's important to, if you're doing this, to listen to your body and just look for those signals. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And sometimes I wonder too, um, if the foods that we're eating on our, uh, at least for the ADFers out there, the alternate day fasters out there, the foods that we're eating on the up days or the eat days, if that contributes to to um, having an easier fast on the down day, you know, um, uh, the processed foods, again, I always, that's my thing, the processed foods and the sugars, um, if that, if you eat too many of those, if that makes a fast day more difficult. Yeah. And so just talking about, you know, obesity and obesity rates, what's it like there um, in Germany? Germany is, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was just looking at this a couple of weeks ago. Um the States is, of course, in the developed world, I think number one as far as obesity rates is concerned, I believe. Um, Australia was in the tw like in the 20th position or 25th position, Graham, if I'm not wrong. It was under 30 still, I think. So, um, but I could be wrong there. Germany is, um, I think it's 85th. So obese, the obesity rate is much lower in Germany than it is, for example, in the States or in Canada. Um, in France, it's even lower. We, we are in the Netherlands a lot because I have a lot of family there. And uh, it's even lower there. So, yeah, um, there's fewer, there's yeah, fewer obese people that. here, which made it all the more difficult, I think, for me. Yeah. So what about mindset, Marianne? We talk about that a lot in the mental part of IF. I feel that's probably 90% of it. Um, how did you go with your mindset and the mental shift to actually get you? You know, Graham, I think for me, I, I really did want to lose the weight, say, between 2014 and 2020. But I couldn't find the groove. I, you know, and I think I mentioned that earlier. I couldn't find something to really ignite the motivation in me. Um, and. I think it's really important once you find that to go. So maybe, you know, I don't know if it's possible to really search for that, to search for that something that's going to ignite you. Um, but if you find that, go with it. And um, I think, I also think that once you do find it, you automatically will go with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think it does. And you've got to look at, for it within yourself, I think. You know, sometimes we look all over the place for something where it's actually steering us back Graham, in the bathroom mirror. And it's that is so cycle. true. And I think that is why, you know, I was really very afraid of becoming a burden to the children um, through my obesity. And yet that wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough to ignite the motivation in me. And what it took was looking at these photos from 20 years ago where I looked so comfortable in my own skin and that's what ignited it. You know, it was something within me, something, um, it wasn't for somebody else, it was for me. And I think um, that's a big part of it. Yeah, it is. And um, I really resonate with a lot of what you said in this interview actually. And, and you know, going back to that bit about you know, worrying about regain and all that. I was actually talking to somebody the other day that was doing intermittent fasting for three years and they got to maintenance and they were in maintenance for a year. And 
and then they sort of the novelty wore off the, mm -hmm. what how they described it and it took took that person three months to uh, regain all that weight that they've oh, kept that's off terrible. all that time. That, that's also something I've, I've thought about too, because I'm still getting a lot of compliments. I'm still bumping into people that I haven't seen in a long time. And, you know, that's very uplifting and it's very motivating and it makes me feel really good. And I thought about that. I thought once this is over with, you know, once people have become so accustomed to seeing me in my new body, um, once the thrill of buying a size M or a size S um, piece of clothing just off the rack, you know, once that novelty wears off, is that going to make a difference? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've had a tough year 2020 around the world. What's it been like there in Germany for you guys? Has it been stressful being in lockdown? Um, oh, yeah, we've had lockdown. Had so it started here in March. Um, we've had the restaurants were closed, stores were closed. They gradually reopened. Um, but the numbers here really started increasing in the fall. So at this point, um, stores are still open. It's with limited capacity. Only a certain number of people can enter the store at one time. Masks are necessary everywhere. And all of the restaurants, the bars, the clubs, fitness um, or gyms, fit, they call them fitness studios here, the gyms, um, they're all closed at this point. And they expect that to be the case up until at least mid-January. Um, um, yeah, I'm the same sort of age as you, 57, and I quite often have people say to me, oh, you know, I'm too old to worry about that. That's not going to work for me. What do you say to those people? I say, baloney, look at me. I never, ever, ever thought, Graham, I could be the weight that I am today, ever. Um, and I also would like to address particularly to perimenopausal and menopausal women because you often hear about how it's almost impossible to lose weight during um, perimenopause or menopause. And I really believe that. I had just kind of succumbed to the day that it was just a natural process for a woman as they got older, that they would get this huge stomach and, um, you know, there was really little I could do about it and it was just going to happen. Um, and that is wrong. It's wrong. You can do it. Yeah. Did you ever get to that point in your life, Marianne, that you thought, I'm never oh, going to be anything yeah. else but obese? Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think for most people. Very do. much so. I had really lost hope, Bram. I had gained so much weight in actually a relatively short period of time. And I just, it, it, the mountain was too high. I just thought, I'm never, this is not going to be possible. I've let it go too far for too long. Yeah, and I mean, I have a lot of people have said that to me, and, and that was one of the key drivers in me uh, writing the book, mm -hmm. which I've just put out, The Fasting Highway, was, you know, the mountain's not too high to climb, you know, and, and I showed that. I mean, I was a guy that had some chronic addictions. I had a 30-year yeah. habit of closet eating. Um, so many things that, you know, I overcame and I got through, and I came out the other side, and I say to people, if you think the mountain's too high, Try intermittent fasting. Yeah. Give it a go for a full 12 months. Do it properly. Clean fast. And, you know, you might find that that That's right. And, you know, it really isn't. Uh, there are difficult days. I won't say that there aren't. But it's really, it, it's so flexible um, that it, it makes it fairly easy, I think, the flexibility. 
it does, and especially around events and that sort of thing. I mean, you know, I know people say Saturday isn't a special occasion, but to me, there are special occasions that come along, and I think that's important to put those around your intermittent fasting lifestyle because sometimes special birthdays or special events, they only come along once in a lifetime, and that's the beauty about an intermittent fasting lifestyle, yeah. that if you do go to a wedding or, yeah. you know, a special birthday – then just get back to doing what you're doing. Yeah, and that's where this word tool comes in. You know, it really is a tool that you just, you know, that yesterday was yesterday and today is today and you can just start up again. There's no guilt. Yeah, and that's exactly right. Well, when I talk about the toolbox, it's like, okay, step on a scales, righto. Let's pull some of the tools out. Exactly. Wind it back a bit today, narrow that window up. And I always say to people, if your hands get tighter, tighten the window. Yeah, it's a great way. It's a great way of life. It really is. Yeah. So, Marianne, I'm going to wrap it up soon, but what I wanted to get from you today is this journey that you've been on has been quite remarkable, and I'm just looking at the gallery of your photos here, which by the time this podcast airs, people will be able to see it on the Fasting Highway website, and it's quite jaw-dropping. Do you ever have some days where you look at yourself and you just can't believe what's happened to you? Like, do you have any Every day, Graham, every day. Um, Where I do my grocery shopping, they they also have a clothing section, and I'll purposely walk by the mirror just to get this kick of seeing myself. It's like, my God, that's me. That is me, you know? And, you know, very often I'll look down at my legs when I'm sitting down, and it's still shocking. It's still shocking. I really asked myself, too, how long will this continue? You know, um, we'll see. And I should have mentioned this first. My my 22-year-old son, I have three children. The two oldest ones are very lean. And my 22-year-old son could stand to use a few kilos. And he has also started the alternate day fasting. And he's been doing it now for about uh, probably about two months. And he's lost, um, his weight loss hasn't been as fast as mine. He's lost about 10 kilos, which is still pretty darn good. So I'm really happy about that. Yeah, I, I keep saying the word freeing and, and that's what it is. My life has, has freedom now and it's got vibrancy now. Um, and I love it. So Marianne, what are the, some of the things that you'd wish you'd known at the start? And if there's somebody sitting out there and you've mentioned uh, the ladies with uh, menopausal uh, issues and that sort of thing, what sort of advice can you give them and what's a good um, place to start? You know, Graham, I think really just to know, and we were already speaking about that, that it works, that you can do it and to trust the process. It will work. Um, you know, just the fallacy that you have to accept weight gain as a middle-aged woman in menopause is a fallacy. Um, and so to know that it will work. And also, I think it would be really encouraging for people who use the scale. I, I use the scale every day, too, not just out of curiosity. I'm, I'm never um, saddened when it's higher than I'd like it to be. And I'm never overly euphoric when it's lower. But I just like to use it as a guideline. And what I would recommend, and I really like the fact that I started that, is to record the weight. So if you weigh daily, maybe to record your weight on a daily basis so that you can see the, the progress over time. And there, there is progress over time. And so if there's a day where your weight goes up, but you can look at this curve 
um, that continuously continuously shows a downward trend. That for me was very motivating. And I used a um, an app. It's free. I think it's called Happy Scale. And um, so I would just log in my numbers every day, and it shows you a graph very very clearly. And um, I found that very motivating. Mary Ann Lee, thank you. Thank you so today. much, Graham. It was my pleasure. And this afternoon, I'll be sitting on my couch reading your book. Oh, thank you so much, Mary Ann. I really enjoyed that chat. You've had quite a remarkable journey, and I commend you on that weight loss and your dedication and focus to the intermittent fasting lifestyle. Just amazing. It really is. And uh, thank you for being my first guest from Europe also. So just a reminder also, folks, you can get my book uh, for those asking, The Fasting Highway. Uh, it's available on Amazon in both Kindle and also paperback. And if you're in Australia, you can actually get it on my website, uh, www.thefastinghighway.com. Uh, and also next week coming up on a podcast, we've got Matt Hall, and Matt is from Southern California. And Matt has quite an amazing journey too. And Matt runs a men's intermittent fasting uh, group, which is uh, exclusively for men only. So we'll get some insights into that too. And so until then, be well, be safe. And remember, clean fasting is everlasting. <laughs>